Latter-day Saint Home Educators is pleased to bring you this audio presentation recorded live during the February 2023 online Midwinter Home Education Conference. Thank you so much for inviting me to speak on this topic, setting the tone for the homeschool day. And uh, welcome. When I wanted to start this talk, I want to start with finding out what you do to set the tone in your home uh, for the homeschool day. Just one thing, you don't have to give me uh, the whole list, but uh, what is one thing that you do to set the tone? Oh, family prayer, prayer. Oh, come follow me. And scriptures and primary song. Awesome. Well, thank you, ladies. So I want to tell you a story. I have a daughter. My youngest is 25 now. And I homeschooled. I had seven children. And she was born when I was 43 and a half. And when she was about 12 weeks old, my husband had a heart attack. 100% blockage to the main coronary artery feeding the heart. So I had to deal with that. It was stress-induced. And it wasn't long after that, she started having um, colic. And she loved classical music, so that would calm her. And I put that on, and we would take turns walking the floor with her until 4 in the morning. And he was out of town when she, he went out of town when she was a year old and the colic still wasn't over. And my oldest daughter was 16 when she was born and my next daughter was 10. And the three of us would take turns walking the floor until four in the morning. And that would leave me so exhausted. I, and I had boys, little boys and they went to sleep at the regular time while us ladies stayed up and took turns. And it it totally upended our homeschooling. And I it got to the end of the summer. And this, during the summer, it wasn't a problem. And, and my husband went out of town in September. And I was trying to start back to homeschooling. And I finally gave up and said, you know what? We're going to sleep in. The boys can play. And we're going to do homeschool in the afternoon. And that worked. That worked. And it took me about six months. She was 18 months when I found a solution. And that sweet little thing could sleep at night, you know. And when she could sleep at night, then we all could sleep at night. And I had to figure out, well, what am I going to do? Um to get our life back because all of our circadian rhythms are off. Uh, all the ladies of the house were sleeping late and, and the tendency was for the boys to go to bed later because we were up later. And I thought, Oh, this has got to stop. And so the scriptures started informing me. And at first I thought, well, you know, I, I want to get up earlier than they do so that I can have scriptures in the morning and get myself ready for the day 
and I could have some clarity. And uh, I found out that my patterns were so late that I was I was going to bed late and it was hard to get up early in the morning. And I came across this scripture in the Doctrine and Covenants 88-124, retire to thy bed early that ye may not be weary. And I thought, wow, Heavenly Father doesn't want me to be weary. And arise early uh, that your bodies <clears throat> and your minds might be invigorated. And I thought, oh boy, do I need that. And an image came to my mind of something. Um, there was a TV show that I had watched growing up called The Waltons. And at the end of the show, or in, even in the middle of the show, when nighttime came, they'd all go to bed at the same time. And I thought, novel idea. Because uh, I was always trying to put my kids to bed and then get up, I mean, and do all the things that I put off doing. And and so I thought about that. And I thought about patterns uh, that used to exist before World War II. And I realized that... Um, I needed to get some sleep and I started going to bed when the children did in the Waltons, the, all the lights would go out and you'd hear, good night, John boy, good night, Mary Ellen, good night, ma, good night, pa, you know, and, and the parents would respond back. And it was really funny because I started doing that after we went to bed and the lights were out, I'd call to the other rooms. Good night, Jeremy. Good night, James. Good night, Mary. Good night. Jennifer, good night, Julia. Anyway, um, by this time, uh, my when I had this last baby, three days later, my oldest son went into the MTC. That's to give you an idea. And his next younger brother had started college at BYU at 16. And so uh, they weren't here. Uh, he was... He was 18 about this time, and he graduated 36 months after he started. So he, he graduated the week of his 19th birthday. And it was just us ladies and the little, the little kids at home at this time. My two oldest were out of the house. So we started doing the Walton plan, going to bed together. And I, I realized that my children needed a lot more sleep than I did. And um, if I went to bed with them, at the or not with them, but at the same time that they did, that I would be awake earlier. And there were things that I had to do to get my circadian rhythms um, in place. Uh, and so we'd go, I would... Uh, open my blinds in my room so that I'd wake up with the light and I would take them out for walks during the day so that they would get sunlight even in winter, which would help them um, uh, adjust their sleeping cycles. And that was part of it. But like I said, uh, when I started looking about setting the tone for the homeschool day, I had to reverse engineer the day. Uh, and I wanted to get up early so I could have that scripture time. And so I had to go to bed earlier. And 
well, what had to happen before I went to bed earlier? Well, I wanted to pray with my children um, a prayer of gratitude individually uh, and to seek a joyful heart. I wanted them to look for things to be grateful for. And I wanted them um, to sleep peacefully. And then, well, what I wanted to do before that was I wanted to um, sing lullabies to them to calm them down. And the lullabies that I sang were the the primary songs and the hymns um, that I did with my children. Now, you'll probably, if if you sit down to figure out what you need to do for your morning to go well, what you need to do the night before, because I found that the night before was the key that unlocked the door of the morning. Um, you might have different things on your list. All I can do is share with you what I did. And then you can go, well, I don't need to do that. <laughs> I could just do this or whatever. But let me give you the reasoning behind it. Okay. And then um, that will that will be helpful as you decide. Now, the singing of the primary songs also has a dual purpose of teaching them the gospel and to center their heart. And then before I would sing to them, the last thing, you know, the singing in the prayer, I wanted to um, have bedtime stories because President Benson had said, read to your children. And he was the prophet during a lot of my oldest children's um, uh, childhood. And he would read the poem, um, The Reading Mother by Strickland Gillian. And I'm just going to read the last stanza. You may have tangible wealth untold, caskets of jewels and coffers of gold, Richer than I, you can never be. I had a mother who read to me. And so it was really important to me to be able to read to them. And um, before we did the reading, we would have a family devotional, all of us. And at the end of it, I wanted my children to feel love by the whole family before they went to bed. So we would do the devotional and have a family prayer. And I would say, who's in the middle of the family squeeze? And we'd have the family hug after prayer. And the youngest child present got to be in the middle. And then we'd all hug and embrace each other in that way. And I'll, I'll have you know that we did this even when our home teachers came and uh, taught us. And they said, can we kneel in prayer? Well, my family, always did a family hug. And at the time, and for several years, my home teacher was the uh, associate director of church education worldwide. And so he knelt in prayer and hugged with my children and his son would do so. And when we were done, we did a family cheer. G-O-G-O-F-F-S, unto, unto Zion. Yes, yes, yes. Go Goffs. And that started because uh, years and years ago, President Benson sent out a family home evening guide uh, during the, uh, the uh, 
bicentennial of the Constitution. And one of the things in there was to write a family constitution and do these kinds of things. And our ward said, hey, write a family cheer. And I wrote a family song. And um, about we school at home that we may learn to love and serve our king. And it was to um, a hymn. We listened to a prophet's voice. And I wanted to teach my children through that hymn um, what my hopes and dreams were. So anyway, we did that uh, family cheer and everybody um, scurried in to get ready for story time and individual prayers and the lullabies and stuff. Uh, But before we did our family devotional, there was something else we did, Um, clean bodies. Clean bodies into clean beds. Uh, That was important to me. But before that, there was another thing. I found that in the morning when I was homeschooling, if I looked around and the room was untidy, I was distracted and I could not focus with my children. I must be ADHD. I have no idea. (laughs) Anyway, I um, was distracted by that. And the thought came, you know what? A 10 minute minimum maintenance before we go to bed tidies the room and we can do it together and I can sit down and we have this clean room and I'm not looking around being distracted and uh, back then our school district was on a year-round school system and so we had children knocking at our door and adults assuming well Donna's at home and they would come I had to put a sign on the door please don't please don't knock um, unless it's an emergency we're doing school and uh, before the tidying of the house so that we could have a peaceful home I thought you know when we get up from the dinner table we have a big family and it's such a harsh thing to leave one child being in charge of dishes and everybody else scurries off I mean, they know intellectually that next week they're not going to be on dishes and and they'll be on something lighter, like taking out the trash or whatever. And I started reasoning, you know what, we eat together, we should clean up together. Prior to that, I would just have them rinse and stack their dishes. And uh, I had done chores for 15 years. But um, at this time, I started thinking, you know, we need to um, do the dishes together. And we also set the table and got condiments and everything on the table together. And I had a friend come over once for uh, Sunday supper. And she says, what can I do to help? I said, we've got this. Just talk to me. And she watched and she says, wow, this is delightful. You're a well-oiled machine. I said, well, we weren't at first, but it took a while to everybody to to get into this and and she says well you just kind of make it happen and it does get to that point so in order to have a clean dish a kitchen after dinner we have to have dinner on time and dinner on time made it so that we could have bed on time because if you eat late then you tend to stay up late And what is the one thing that causes people 
uh, to have a late supper. It's that five o'clock what's for dinner conundrum, you know? And so it came down to, I needed to have a menu. So who knew that food was the key to the morning, to the homeschool day? That's where I backed it up to, the menu. I had to have the menu. And if I had the menu, it took the question out of what we were going to have to eat. And I was just, I could go into automatic and do that. Um, we learned from the Pearl of Great Price that things, God created things spiritually before he created them temporally. So on Sunday, I create my menu plan for the week. That's the first time I have a, a breath to sit down. Um, right now, our ward meets at 12, um, 1030. So I can get up early and the kids can sleep. I can keep my uh, rhythms the way they go. And so let's look at the morning. Let me review really quickly. I'll go backwards. Menu. Dinner on time, clean the kitchen after dinner so it's ready for breakfast prep, uh, tidy the house uh, so that when we wake up, it's a peaceful home. And all we have to do is make a, our beds after we get dressed, or we can leave the beds to air if it's been a hot night, and we can leave the, the um, beds to air while we eat breakfast, and then we can go and help each other um, make the beds. Now, one of the things you can do as a mom is to tie a belt around your elbows so that you only have arms <clears throat> from your elbows to hands. That gives you an idea how long your children's arms are to make beds and discover how difficult it is for your child to make their bed. Uh, bunk beds against the wall are really hard. Trundle beds against the wall are really hard. And it really drove it home to me um, in 2016, I fell and I dislocated my shoulder behind my scapula, which happens like 1% of the time. You have to really hit it at the right momentum and the right, and I'm, I aced that one. And um, when I looked at it and saw that the prospects for surgery and healing were really, really low, I decided to take a different route and I have full um, full use of it now. But at the time I had to have my daughter, my youngest daughter help me make my bed. And I thought about all those times when they were growing up and, and the making of the beds then. So the tidy house before we go to bed for a peaceful home, the clean bodies, the family devotional with the family prayer, the, the, the loving embrace, the family cheer. And then reading to my children and singing them lullabies and, and praying by their side, set the tone for the day and going to bed when they went to bed. So what happened in the morning? <clears throat> Well, the morning is the key to the day. I mean, not the key. The morning is the door to the day. The evening is the key. And I, I think about in Genesis, in Genesis, it talks about the evening and the morning. 
are the first day and the second day, etc. And in Jewish culture, the um, day begins at sundown, you know, uh, for the next day. So the Sabbath starts on, uh, when the sun goes down. Anyway, Proverbs 31.15, she rises also while it is yet night and giveth light or meat to her household. Uh, we need his soul feeding in the morning that we may be spiritually strengthened and have light to see through our day. Now, there is a quote that was from Marion G. Romney of the First Presidency uh, in April of 1980. <clears throat> I feel certain that if in our homes, parents will read from the Book of Mormon prayerfully and regularly, both by themselves and with their children. The spirit of that great book will come to permeate our homes and all who dwell therein. The spirit of reverence will increase and mutual respect and consideration for each other will grow. And the spirit of contention will depart. And parents will counsel their children in greater love and wisdom, and children will be more responsive and submissive to the counsel of their parents. Righteousness will increase, faith and hope and charity, and the pure love of Christ will abound in our homes and our lives, bringing in their wake peace, joy, and happiness. Well, there was a line in my patriarchal blessing that said, at the end, go your way into the world with a joyous heart and spread joy and love into the lives of others, and it will come back into your own life in abundance. And I thought about that, and I think about that even today, that it starts in our home to bring, bring this joy into the lives of others. And so I was able to get up and read the scriptures in the morning. It was difficult to do that when we were all getting up at the same time and uh, we had gone to bed late. And so I was, I was reclaiming my spiritual and physical life. I don't know who needed to hear the story about the colicky baby or the fact that you can reset your circadian rhythms. I figured if God said that we were to retire to our bed early, that we may not be weary and rise early that we may, our hearts and minds may be invigorated, um, that we could do that. And one thing I discovered about rising early after my body adjusted, it takes time to adjust. It's not going to happen overnight. And for some, it'll take longer than others. But when I awoke and I had had a good night's sleep, um, I found that I had more clarity to solve problems, uh, to see my day, because I was waking invigorated, and I had that time and that space to breathe. And I think that we need to, I feel that we need to create a homeschool life that we don't have to have a break from. We don't have a break from parenting that is that is a thing and i might add right here along with me rising early in the afternoon 
not part of this home, you know, setting the tone for the homeschool day in the morning, but in the afternoon after lunch, we take a walk and come back and read. And sometimes we'd start to doze off on the couch at the same time. Mom was tired. And I said, we're going to have a quiet time. And it took about two weeks for them to adjust. I said, if you come out during the 90 minutes, I will reset the timer. If you come out and ask me, is it, is it time yet? And of course, that they want to do that at first because they don't know how long 90 minutes is. And I had to reassure them, I will come and let you know. During the first few weeks, there were times where we made it all the way to dinner time before quiet time was over because they kept on coming out and they they come down the hall to go to the bathroom to see what I was doing. Don't want to miss anything out. But I had to be consistent and I had to be firm on it. And I knew that they would adjust. And I said, you can quietly read on your bed. You can draw. But I, I don't want to hear talking. This is quiet time. We all need this downtime. And I wanted to build that into our day. I wanted to build into our day that break for me and for them so that I would have mental space and they would have mental space. So um, after thinking about that morning scripture time, we also need to choose joyful heart and personal devotions can help with choosing a joyful heart. And it will make, it's makes it easier for us to make simple doable plans for that day, creating a, a spiritual, uh, creating that day spiritually first. And it would give me an opportunity to look at my my calendar to see if there are any appointments that day so that when we have family devotionals, I would share that during calendaring time so that I wasn't the only one that was trying to remember. Because I'll tell you, during that time that I was not getting any sleep, hardly, during the colicky time, there were days I couldn't tell you what my phone number was. <laughs> I couldn't tell you my phone number. Uh, if somebody asked me my last name, I might not have been able to give it to them because I was so exhausted and I missed appointments because I was trying to do it all myself. And by sharing that with my children, um, we could work together to make that happen. They, they'd they have a vision of the day of what needs to happen, what needs to be accordioned and shortened and, and um just to make it a, a, a successful day. We need to feed our bodies and our children's bodies with sustaining food, both spiritual and physical. Um, hunger and blood sugar dips can turn mom and children into crankies. And I did not like that. And they don't need to be constantly snacking. And there's a difference between a snack and a treat. A snack is supposed to be a mini meal that evens out the blood sugar. And if you if you have a, a meal that is balanced with fats and proteins and things like that, it will last longer without the spikes and the drops and the exhaustion that happen. And when I was growing up, we didn't get snacks. Uh, except at school, they did have they did have a mid morning break where you could get 
um, a roll and some juice, but it wasn't a bunch of sugar. And we walk into Costco and that whole first section there is all snacks and they wind it around. So you come out at the same place, walk into Walmart. Now my Walmart, that first section is all grab and go snacks, junk food, really. And so the things that we consider junk food, the donuts, the cookies, the uh, empty carbs, et cetera, are the treats. They should be rare. They should not be every day. And I boil, I steam, I actually steam my eggs because we had um, live chickens and I found that you can't peel a boiled egg from a live chicken, but you can steam it and it has the same, it comes out just like a boiled egg, but it peels easier. And so having having boiled eggs and nuts and some people are allergic to nuts, you can have cheese and uh, celery sticks and and carrots and things or cucumbers that you can put out. And at first they may put their nose up to it, but if they're hungry, they'll start grazing around it. And eventually they'll taste it and they'll get used to it. Um, if you want to have uh, something mid-morning break. Another scripture. I, Nephi, um, let me see. First Nephi 18.2. But I did build it after a manner which the Lord hath shown unto me, wherefore it was not after the manner of men. I want us to know that we are building children not after the manner of men. And instead of looking to what society does for parenting, et cetera, I think we, I really feel that we need to go to the Lord and look to the scriptures and seek inspiration and even going to a Facebook group and, and throwing it out there um, thinking that we'll get an easy, quick answer or ideas that we can solve it like really quick. Um, it's not always the right answer. And that time that we have in the morning uh, for scripture study and everything and prayer puts us in a frame of mind to know that we can go to the Lord for the solutions. If we prayed about homeschooling and we got the answer, this is what we're supposed to be doing. If we felt led to it, then we should feel like we can go to the person or the being that led us to it and ask for help and guidance and direction um, in solving the immediate problems of our day. And the, the next scripture that follows is, and I, Nephi, did go to the mount oft, and I did pray oft unto the Lord, wherefore the Lord showed unto me great things. We need to go to the temple. Some of those mornings that I got up really, really early after my husband got home, um, I would uh, go to the temple early. I, I'm blessed that I live close to a temple. I realize that a lot of you are hours away from a temple and you can't just get up in the morning and just trot off and say, well, it takes me 20 minutes to get there and I need 20 minutes to get ready. And so I back up my time so I can be there on time. Um, I would get up early and hit the first session I could, I could get my hands on. And I'm lucky to live in Utah Valley because we have a temple that's open on Mondays. And so I can start my week out that way. 
when my husband was out of town for the uh, 14 months, I, because I had a 16 year old daughter at home, <clears throat> I'd often go to the temple on Saturday night, the last session. And that did put me to bed after the kids were in bed on Saturday night. But I'll tell you, there's nothing like sleeping uh, peacefully after going to the temple. And there is a lot of clarity that you can get in there. The temple is neat and clean. There's nothing there distracting. <laughs> and <clears throat> uh, you're really able to um, get that clarity. So I, you know, we need to go to that mount daily in prayer and to the temple as often as we can to seek revelation for our day. So one year after my husband got back and my, my children were a little bit older, I had a son that was really struggling. His two brothers had just been out on a mission at the same time. Um, the older one went out <clears throat> and the younger one went out a year later <clears throat> when he graduated from the university. And they wrote letters about how they were going to do all kinds of things with this um, younger um, brother who was now um, 10, 11 years old. And they came back and they met their brides and they got married and these things didn't happen. And he was struggling. And uh, it was fall. And I can remember crossing the bridge at the Provo River, taking them up for a nature walk. And the spirit said, this is your curriculum this fall. And I'm like, what? What about classics? What about math? What about all these plans? And the spirit said, this is your curriculum this fall. And I thought, oh my goodness, what is going on? I mean, I was arguing with the Lord. And so every day I dutifully took them up on this walk, this nature walk, and I watched nature heal him. And by the time by the time the hunting season started, he was ready to come in and then we were ready to sit down and do academics. And, and years later, my daughter, one of my um, daughters was homeschooling um, her children and, and her older sister was homeschooling her children. And they said, can we go on a walk up the canyon like you used to take us. That's one of my favorite memories of homeschooling. And so I grabbed all my grandkids. And as I walked across that bridge, I paused and I thought, I thought it was just touching his heart. I did not realize how it touched them as well. So that was the curriculum that fall. And we moved, we were able to move past. Um, so scripture study and feeding in the morning. And I discovered um, as part of my morning routine that after breakfast and making the beds that we'd head out the door. Um, let me back up a second. After we ate breakfast, we we did the dishes because if the kitchen was clean, it was usable for science or whatever we were going to do during the day. The table, the dining room table was clean. Children could sit there and do copy work or uh, work on projects. Um, so after that, after breakfast, we did do the dishes, made the beds, and then we'd head out the door. That heading out the door 
even just to walk in the neighborhood around the block puts them in a separate um, state of mind and it invigorates them. And when they come back in the door, it's like coming into a new space. And then we were ready to homeschool. They weren't busy playing. And then I was pulling them away from playing. No, we went out and we went for a walk. And then we came in the door. And I had a simple morning basket routine, a family hour. I broke up into three segments. And the purpose of this was to touch their hearts and to expand their horizons. It's attention span friendly. If if children are doing something in the group, they may be able to focus for 15 minutes. Um, But usually attention span is about their age in minutes. So a seven-year-old would be seven minutes. Five-year-old would be five minutes. And we sit there going, well, just write a whole line. Uh, Or just write a couple of sentences to fulfill some requirement or whatever. And we don't understand that it's beyond their attention span. Um, When their attention is integrated, they're using several different parts of their brain. And when their attention is not there, uh, it's diminishing returns. And so I took and broke up my morning into three friendly uh, short, short segments. Uh, The first one was family scripture study. It was all hands on deck. We sang. We read the scriptures. Uh, The children that could read got five scriptures uh, a turn, and we'd just go around. Uh, Some days I would just read a scripture story or just one verse because I needed to condense the day. And I thought, well, then we're going to focus on one verse because we got an appointment or whatever. And I tried to make my appointments in the afternoon so it would never interfere with our homeschool day. It's one thing I didn't like about co-ops for me was that they would interfere and interrupt our family routine of the morning. And so uh, we the, the first segment was family scripture study, all participating. And the child who couldn't read would sit in my lap and I would lap read running my fingers under the words and they would sound out the words and read what they could. And even and if they weren't to the point yet where they were sounding out the words, they would becoming aware of those words. And I had one son that every time we, he was just beginning to read. And every time we came to, and it came to pass, he had to read it for whomever's turn it was. And he would say, um, he would say it in a different voice and it came to pass and it came to pass. It would be different each time. It was so funny to see how he would, he would do that, but he was getting into it. And I wanted scripture study to be a fun time. And um, usually 15 to 20 minutes and, and we've sung children's songs and hymns. And it was so sweet when we were at church and we would sing a song that we had sung at home and, Mom, they're singing our song. It was cute. Um, the second thing that we did in the one, two, three uh, morning basket routine was a family read aloud from the best books. I wanted to expand their horizons. They were free to choose whatever books they wanted to read, but mom was going to select what we were going to read as a family. And we read church history. We read uh, great classics. We read biographies. 
we read childhood biographies of famous Americans and, and things like the real George Washington. And this helped expand and inform them and help them think about different things. There was even a time I even used um, the intellectual devotional, which has a different um, topic thread each day of the week, philosophy and history and music or arts and whatever. And I would use that at breakfast when we were doing a lot of gardening and things. And so um, we did the, the read aloud. And the third thing we did, I called gateways to learning. It was a weekly loop to broaden their horizons. On Sunday is a noble person of faith, a scripture focus, a quote, and a character theme that work together. On Monday, we did art history and art appreciation and a spelling rule of the week. On Tuesday, we did music history, learning about a musician a month and, and music appreciation, listening to a different piece each week just like we had done for the artists and artists a month, artwork a week. And um, it was a weekly grammar lesson that was just one, one point. There's so many ways to use a comma. I would do one way of using a comma and show them examples. Um, I would talk to them about what a, a noun was or a verb. And later we would play things like, um, Adlibs was one of the games that we liked to play in the car. Anyway, on, on Wednesday, we did STEM, math or science. And sometimes it would be a nature walk. Sometimes it would be an experiment <clears throat> to learn something about how our world works. But I alternated math and um, science. And they learn learned about a scientist or a mathematician each week. And then they got a science concept or a math concept. And um, on Thursday, I did a world leader, uh, nation of the week and language arts. First year we did Hebrew. Uh, they just learned the Hebrew letters, their literal and symbolic meanings and the numeric value. And then on uh, the second year we did Anglo-Saxon roots, then third year Latin roots and, and affixes. And then the last year it was Greek letters and Greek roots. And then um, Friday, we did poetry, history, and appreciation. And so they would get a poet a month and a poem a week. And they got a state a week. And we were able to do that loop. And we were able to keep it in, within an hour. And it was supposed to just be something to expand their horizons. And then they could go deeper on their own. But you might ask about skill development. That was part of our setting the, the tone for the homeschool day was prioritizing homeschooling. And for skill development, I went with another hour, just an hour. And I divided it among the children. And I'm going to show you a screen here. There were three stations and it was broken into 15 minute segments. And I'll tell you, when we got consistent at doing this, my kids learned reading quickly. They learned basic math quickly because it was not a drudgery and it, it turned math into a game and they would try to challenge each other and they'd work problems on their whiteboard when it wasn't their time with me. But I'm going to show you, let me pull up 
All righty. <clears throat> this was a rotation I used for the older children. The, uh, the across the top here are the, th the three segments. They either got one-on-one -on -one with me. They got recess with the little ones. You know, everybody says, what do I do with this little one who wants attention when I work with the older children? Well, all of us were together for the scripture study and the read aloud. And I would allow them to do um, things like hat looming to make hats for the needy or even build uh, cities on the floor with Legos and constructs and things like that while I read aloud. And um, when they were introduced to something new, I would ask them what they knew about it before I taught them. I do the same thing with my primary classes uh, when I've taught primary. And then each day we would also review, well, who's the artist we've been studying? Can you tell me about his work? Or who was the last scientist that we, we learned about? Can you tell me about him? So review was built in every day. And also I acknowledged before we moved on into anything that um, they might know something about the subject, that they weren't an empty empty um, shell for me to just dump information into. And that kind of stopped older children from saying, I already know this. By asking them, what, you, what do you know about this topic and letting them share and then you teaching what's left over and acknowledging their knowledge and asking, where'd you learn that? You know, how did you know that? And they may not know, or they may tell you, well, I was looking up this and I saw that and, and it was interesting to me. And so, you know, their interests. So back to the rotations here. They get one-on-one -on -one with me, whatever they need. As with the littlest children, I took them first. And while I was with the little children, the older children were independent engagement. Now this independent engagement was self-directed interest-led projects and reading and uh, researching. Um, they got the opportunity to uh, pursue their interests and use the skills they were learning from me as tools to further go into depth on their learning. And that nothing will drive their skill level faster than using those skills as an actual tool instead of just a subject to learn. And as they use it as a tool, they hone it and they polish it and they become better at it. They also become better at in independent learning. When we treat learning as a chore and we just give them workbooks and send them into that independent time, they're going to demand our help because executive function wise, they are not ready to delay gratification and pursuing their interests is gratifying. And they're not ready to control their impulses and their overwhelm and their emotional outbursts and everything. And they need a lot of handholding. But when you use their interests, hey, you like sharks. Do you want to do a project about sharks and teach the family or dinosaurs? An older child that has an interest in dinosaurs or, uh, or anything. Do you want to put together a book or a presentation for the family? 
and so that we can learn about your interests too. So that's what they got to do in the independent engagement and also read their books or practice their writing <clears throat> or whatever that they felt that they needed to do during that time as far as learning went. And, and so that first round, that first 15 minutes, I'm with the youngest children. The very first day I did it, I thought I'd start with my oldest child and my youngest child had a fit. And I thought, okay, we're not doing that again. We're going to work one-on-one -on -one with me youngest to oldest. And I took the littlest ones and the older ones got their first round in independent learning. At the second 15 minute mark, I took one child, one-on-one, -on -one, whatever they needed. If they're having a reading lesson, if um, a lot of reading lessons, I used a hundred easy lessons and then teach your child to read using the Book of Mormon. They have sub topics in there and I broke it down. So I could, I could do five to 10 minutes on reading and five to 10, you know, five minutes on, on a math concept and help them um, or have them demonstrate to me what they know. And I could see what their problem is. And then I could help them learn um, to solve that. Excuse me. So while one was with me, one was with the littlest ones in recess. Oh my goodness. They could build forts, they could play games, they could read to the little ones. It gives them a break. And it also was um, great for the little one because they don't have to vie for attention from the older ones. They're getting attention during homeschool, during the morning, and they're feeling that love. And the third older child got to be an independent engagement a second time. And I, as you can see, I rotated through. So each child got two rounds in independent engagement, one in recess and one with me. And you don't have the seven-year-old looking wantingly, you know, looking at the four-year-old going, oh, he gets to play logos, Legos. Why can't I? Because you're in school. Well, Children need recess. And in Finland, recess is mandatory 15 minutes every hour of instruction. They can't hold them in for discipline. They can't hold them in to help them uh, learn the stuff. They've got to do it in class. And so I worked it into my schedule in my morning routine. And so everybody got two independent, one, re one recess, and one-on-one -on -one, one with me. Once they learn their skills, they can come to me just for mentoring. They can tell me what their plan is. And I can take while they're while they're coming to my one on one for the reading and me showing them how to write a letter or whatever, they can tell me what they're interested in doing, what their plans are uh, for their independent time. And so I can check up on it. how's your project going? Great. Are you about ready? We can have a family recital on on Monday night and you can share. So that is how I did it with three. But what if you have two? older children and little children. I did it this way. Recess with the little ones while the older children are in independent engagement. And then I was one-on-one -on -one with one older child while the other older child was with in recess. And then I did another round where I played with the kids and the children got another round of independent learning. And then I rotated and took the other child for one-on-one. -on -one. So I looked at the situation and I figured out how to do it. I have a um, 
On my blog, I have a blog post called Customize Your Child's Education. And it has at the bottom down here, it has those rotation charts so that you can see it. Okay. And so with this, I laid a foundation. I expanded their horizons in the morning, set the, set the tone. This gave them the, till, uh, the tools to use to pursue their interests and deepen their learning. And this gave time for us to do things like for them to pursue interests. They wanted to play the guitar or develop the lost arts. We wanted to do a, uh, a luncheon with other homeschool moms or build relationships with their siblings and play games. And when, you know, when school started right after Christmas time, every year I start with a puzzle. I put a puzzle out in the morning, a big jigsaw puzzle. And it helps them shift from playing with their Christmas stuff and the Christmas season and start to shift to thinking and problem solving. And when the puzzle's done, they're usually ready to start going back into homeschool. And this routine and flow of the morning sets the tone for the whole homeschool day. So do we have any questions? I mean, I just talked your ear off. Um, how are we doing on time? Yes, we do have some questions. And so let's just scroll back here. Um, we have a, one question is, what time was bedtime? Ah, when I was growing up, bedtime was eight o'clock. And so I thought my children won't be hurt if they go to bed at eight o'clock during the school year. Um, when they got older uh, and they had youth activities and things like that, the older children had nine o'clock bedtime. Um, and so we went to bed earlier. Uh, once it's fall, the sun is down and it's dark at five. Everything's being kept up with artificial light. And so what are you doing? You're just puttering around and, and, or sucking into entertainment or whatever. Um, pulling out a game and playing games. My kids asked for game nights. We, we did have movie nights and we watched classic movies. It was a little bit later on weekends. It was like nine, nine thirty, and so depending on what church activity or whatever we were doing as a family. Other questions? I mean, you can set your bedtime anytime, uh, you, you know, for your family. But for me, that was my experience. I said, you know what? It didn't hurt me, and I can remember when great movies would come on. I would beg my mom. Can we stay up? Because the movie started at eight and they ended at 10. And my bedtime was eight o'clock. And my mom would always say, I'll let you stay up and watch this movie. But if you're cranky in the morning, you won't get to see the next movie. So we were on our best behavior for those times where I made the exception and we stayed up a little bit later. Is that helpful? <laughs> okay. Any other questions? Hi, so I think you might have presented at the last LDSAT conference on the West Coast, possibly, I don't know, like the morning baskets, but I just, I just wonder, like, how do you do it with, like, I just asked my teen, I said, if I let you 
Um, I work one-on-one with them and I rotate children. But if I let you just independently do whatever you want to do learning, what would you do? And he's like, Minecraft. And I, I think that's really good for some personalities to have that, um, that like self-directed, they want to learn. I know kids who want to learn about random things, but if your kids are just these easygoing, sweet kids, they're just like, we just like to have fun. You know, um, how I feel like I have to give them like choices. Like, I see that you're interested in this. Here's three choices that you have to, I mean, what do you do with that? Okay. Um, during the self-directed learning time. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't let them use computers during self-directed learning time. If they had a project they were working on, they wanted to take it on the computer, they could do it after school. Um, because if I'm working one-on-one with one child, I cannot monitor that child, even if they're in the living room, um, to make sure they're not going on social media and wandering to places they don't belong, you know? And that was just me. Now, my husband was a computer guy. He worked for Hewlett Packard. There was a time we went through a computer detox and I had him take the keyboard to work with him. And I had him put the the TV in the neighbor's garage. The kids had no idea where it was. Uh, You know, when they were really little, I didn't have a TV. And then we had this large screen, screen TV when we were living in Colorado. And um, shifting to homeschooling, I took the computer and the screen access off the table, and they didn't. We didn't have a TV in the home for six months, and till the Olympics, <laughs> they wanted to see that during the summer, and it came back in. But it came back in with controls on it that I could lock, and so it wasn't something that they could just go in and sneak in and do um, in the middle of the night or anything. I just wanted to take away the temptation. Um, while they were learning to self-regulate and develop um, interest. Uh, When we took the screens out, the first two weeks was whining and complaining. And I thought, okay, if you don't, if you don't put a fair out of a menu of activities and things during that two, that transition time, they're just going to find something else to, you know, get into just playing Legos or whatever. And so we went to the rec center. We took long walks. We went to the library. We took field trips. I I did things to keep them active and involved. And after we got in a pattern, I was able to pull that back. And then we were able to homeschool without the distraction. So I didn't. um, uh, Another thing is you can sit down with your children and brainstorm. And you can fill a jar with ideas. And I call it the do it jar. And if they can't come up with a project they want to do or something they want to learn, um, if nothing has inspired them, uh, usually nothing will inspire them if they've got a one-track mind and 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 they have the availability of the computer to go play. Can I ask something? I don't think it's the computer. That's not, that's really not the issue. I feel okay. like regulate well and we regulate those computers very very tightly okay good good that's not so you just well, you just need the ideas i have a question so like i just asked him again i said okay 
he pat, he's got his earphones on. He's not listening to us. Um, but he, he, I asked him, okay, so what if you can't get on the computer? What are you going to do to self-direct? Um, to for self He's like, I'm going to go outside and make up my game with my friends. He's 14. Like literally he goes outside with his friends and plays all day. So again, are they all homeschooling? Oh yeah. Well, um, our kids, um, we're in an area where everyone's on different tracks. Of school. Oh, I've been there. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> yeah. So it's always, um, I mean, I'm well, just, it, it's not an open-ended, you can go do whatever you want. It is a it is a learning time and they've got 15 minutes. It's not an open-ended, you've got hours. That time can come after you've done your, your rotations. But there are two things that you can do. You can brainstorm with them about activities that they can do. Um, and you can put that in the jar and you can throw in some other ideas. or you can have a library basket of things that you've been studying that take it deeper and say, what book here inspires you the most? Yeah. Instead of taking what's interesting to you, what inspires you the most, then they have to, they have to prioritize and think, well, I, I, maybe this one. But if you just ask them what they like to do, um, they're not going to tell you what they like to do. I like that. I like those ideas. Um, uh, the I, other thing you can do is like self-propelled learners. I know these kids who are like, Ooh, I know what I want to do. My husband was one of those who want to be a nuclear engineer. He's a nuclear engineer from the time he was seventh grade. You know, like I don't, I just, I was just wondering how you do it with the kids that are just. Okay. And here's, here's another thing. Um, you can have, uh, you can't see them, but back here I have these plastic um, shoe boxes that are clear. And you can put different activities in those and have everything for the activity. This box calligraphy and it's got a calligraphy pen and stuff to do italics. This one has everything to do an experiment. And then they can write about what they learned about it. This one has a game they can play with themselves by themselves that is a game of strategy. Uh, this one is origami, so they're learning to follow directions. Um, and you can talk to the children about things that interest them that they would like in these boxes. But the, the rule is that these boxes do not come out at any other time. They don't come out to play with friends with them. It is a special privilege that they get to pull these boxes out during learning time to work on them. And if they get tired of the or gone through all the boxes, you can put new stuff in there and you can take things from your home and do that. The, the first day my daughter came home, I sat from um, school when we moved here, I put them in school. And then she says, homeschool me. We're learning the same stuff I learned in the last state down to the exact same assignments. <laughs> I'm not learning anything. I thought, okay. And so I brought her home and I said, what do you want to learn? Well, the first day she wanted to learn how to make noodles. And I said, well, here's a recipe. Follow the, read the recipe and follow the recipe. Cause I knew she could read. And the first batch of noodles, nothing stuck together. And I said, what happened? And she says, well, I put all the ingredients in. Well, in making noodles, you have to add ingredients little by little 
and mix them in. You can't just dump them all in. So she gets in and starts reading it again and trying again. I thought, boy, this is a really cheap experiment. Doesn't cost much money. <laughs> and teaching her a lot. She went back in and she read halfway down into the instructions and saw a mistake. And so she went back and she started doing it. And this time they stuck together a little bit more, but they still weren't sticking together. And I said, what's the problem? She goes, I don't know. I read till I got to my mistake. And I said, that is your second mistake. <laughs> you were supposed to read the entire lesson before you went and put it together. And the third batch was a charm. And that informed her the rest of her homeschool career. But you could have a recipe that you don't mind them working. It could be mixing stuff to make homemade ranch dressing. You know, if you don't want them at the stove without you being there. Um, or it could be, I don't know, uh, mixing the mix together to make cookies and that you um, actually bake them together after the homeschool is over, you know, something like that. Because you're doing this in two hours, general knowledge and the rotations, it leaves you time to do those kinds of things through the day. And I urge people not to overschedule because when you overschedule, it just, it, especially appointments and things and doing them in the morning, if it interrupts your homeschool day, you never get into that routine and that expectation in your family. But if you're doing it and they know that it's going to be this and there's a time limit and you're not going to be sitting over them for an hour trying them to get them to do busy work, um, you may not see it as busy work, but working through lots and lots and lots and lots of math problems may not be helping them the way you think that they should. And so by bringing it down and making it more focused learning, it makes it so they learn at their rate faster. And it leaves you the free time to do stuff like making cookies and things. Um, so those boxes, so you have those knowledge boxes or activity boxes or whatever you wanna call them. You have the learning basket of library books. What inspires you the most? And you have um, activities like, I see you like sharks or motorcycles or whatever. Uh, can you uh, put together a book or a presentation you can do to the family to teach us about that topic that is so important to you? And so now they're having to do research, label things right, and that kind of thing. So you're giving them activities and directions that they can do that pursue their interests, but not filling that time with book, workbook and seat work. The seat work will come as they get more independent and they start doing more research and things like that. Is that helpful? That is very helpful. Thank you. I'm sorry for taking your time. So we are actually out of time. Um, okay. We're so grateful. Thank you so much for your insight and the presentation you have presented to us. I think it was very helpful. Well, I'm hoping that it it opened your minds. And like I said, um, what you put in in your routine in the evening and in the morning um, 
is what is upon your heart, what the spirit puts upon your heart, like that when I was told this is your curriculum this fall, you have to be open to the spirit. And sometimes it doesn't make sense at first, but you know, if you're dedicated to follow through with it, um, it may not look the way you think it's going to look, but it will look the way the Lord wants it to look. And it'll see what the needs of that child is. And, and it emboldens other children in the family to know that you care enough that you'll care for them as well. So I, I, I want to thank you all for letting me uh, share these ideas on setting the tone for the homeschool day. And um, all the tools I gave to you, you can start today. And if you have questions, you can reach out to me. Uh, I On my website, Mentoring Our Own, there's a download that has a link to my website, or you can contact me on Facebook. And I would be glad to um, talk to you if you have questions about this um, presentation. But thank you so much for this privilege and opportunity to speak to these uh, wonderful ladies. Latter-day Saint Home Educators is a nonprofit, all-volunteer organization dedicated to providing inspiration to homeschool families. We hope you enjoyed this recording. If you are interested in listening to more recordings or would like to participate in a future conference, please visit our website at ldshe.org.